Welcome to Whitburn Pentecostal Church today. So glad you're here. So nice to see the sun shining as well and the snow disappearing. Um, this should have been the Sunday where I said um, we're on a journey out of winter. It feels more like it today than it did last week, that's for sure. But it's great to have you with us. Welcome to those who are joining us online as well. So glad that you're with us. Hopefully you can stay all the way through to the end of the service. Great to have Zach and Lindsay with us today and the Bambino. So, so glad that you guys are with us today. We're looking forward to what Zach's going to share with us today. Um, but just as we come to worship God today, I, I wanted to read a few verses from Psalm 57, words which David wrote when he was on the run from Saul and found himself in the cave of Adullam. And uh, he declares what he's going to do. This is it's incredible. Um, and I just kind of, I was thinking about this psalm, and, and really what we do springs from who we are. And, you know, there's a proverb which talks about guarding the heart, for it's the wellspring of our lives. And, and this is what David says, My heart is steadfast, O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake my soul, awake, O harp and lyre. And he's talking about awakening his whole being to worship God. You know, sometimes I come in on a Sunday morning and I think there's one or two people who should have been in their bed earlier last night, um, but not today. Well, I wouldn't know because everybody's got masks on anyway, but, but he's encouraging himself to wake up and to praise God. Why? Because God is steadfast and he awakens the instruments. We're going to awaken the instruments this morning. And this is what he goes on to say, I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. You, for your steadfast love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness extends to the clouds. His heart can be steadfast because God's love and faithfulness is steadfast. God never changes. And as we look at what's happening in our world, we look at the chaos, the turmoil, we feel the uncertainty. This one thing we know, that our God is steadfast. And because he is steadfast, we can remain steadfast also. And this is our prayer today, as we come to worship the King of all kings. David goes on to say this, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And that's our prayer as we come to worship God this morning. O Lord, be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Let's stand if you're able to. We're going to worship God and we're going to praise his name this morning. Father, we just thank you for who you are, for your consistency. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And Lord, as we come to worship, Lord, there will be people all over the world today who will be focused on you with this the backdrop of the world's situations in our minds. Father, we want to declare that you're King of Kings. We want to declare that you're Lord of Lords, that you are sovereign over the whole earth. Father, your word says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And Father, we just will pray about the situation in, in Ukraine just shortly. But Father, we just pray today that you'd help us to experience your presence and worship as we come to you. And so, Father, as we lift our, our voices, as we awaken our voices, as we awaken the instruments today to praise you, Father, we just ask that you'd come and just demonstrate your presence in our praise. Come and live in our praise. Manifest your presence in our praise. And Lord, we just pray that your name would be lifted up in this place. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. 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 Let's worship him today.
spiritual eyes, the eyes of our understanding, their minds. Father, everything about us, everything that makes us who we are, everything that makes us human. Father, we pray that you would open us up. Father, and help us to see. Father, help us to see what you're doing. Father, help us to see that there's a spiritual world, that there's a spiritual uh, war that, warfare that we war. And Father, that there's a spiritual enemy, Father, that we pray against, that we come against, that we stand against. And and Lord, we just pray, open our eyes to see these things, Father, that we might see things as you see them. Father, help us not to look at the problems. Father, help us not to look at the storm as we sung about in that first song. Not to look at the difficulties, but Father, to look at you, to look to you, because Father, you are all-powerful. You are sovereign. You are the King of kings. You are the creator of the earth. Father, you are Lord of all. And Father, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, and just declare that you are Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place today. Lord, we need your presence. We need your presence every moment of every day. Father, help us not to lean on our own understanding. Father, in all our ways to acknowledge you. And Father, we know that when we do that, you direct our paths. And Lord, we pray for those who are struggling in our fellowship just now. Father, those who need a touch in their bodies. And Father, we think of Bet, who uh, just uh, needs a touch from you today, Father, with uh, our fall yesterday. And Lord, we just ask that you will just come upon her in power. Father, that you bring healing. Father, that you bring hope, that you bring wholeness. And Father, we just ask that you just meet her this morning where she is. Father, we pray for our family. And Lord, we ask for your blessing upon them. And Lord, there are others just who need something from you, who need a touch from you. And Father, we ask that you will just come and meet us each at our place of need. Father, just just come back to that that whole thing about opening our eyes. Father, maybe there are some in here today who just need to see who you are. Maybe, Father, some who are asking questions and, and they're not quite sure what to believe about God. But, Father, I pray that you would just open their eyes and that they would experience your presence. Father, I pray that you'd help them to open up their hearts to you. And, Father, that you just come and that you meet with them and that you touch them. Father, I think about that story of Zacchaeus where Jesus came to him and he said, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to your house today. And, and Father, we just pray. We pray that that would be our experience, Father, that we would know that you want to come to, to, to us and to our lives and to our situation and, and just to walk with us and to, to sit with us and to talk with us and to, to just sit and eat food with us, as it were. Father, we pray that we would experience your presence. So, Father, we just pray this service continues, Lord, that you would open up our eyes, open up our understanding. May we hear what your Spirit wants to say in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Please be seated. Father, we just thank you for what you're saying in this place today, already through the worship. And, Lord, we just look forward to what you want to say 
through Zach as he comes to minister in just a moment. In Jesus' name. Just one or two things that I'm going to announce um, just before Zach uh, comes up to speak. And uh, that is that in three weeks' time, Friday the 18th of March, in the evening, um, we will have a visiting speaker coming with us. It's just one of those opportunities that we need to grab, um, and this is the only date we could grab. Uh, so it's Friday the 18th, uh, a prophet called Clem Ferris. Some of you will have been part of the prayer uh, stuff last year when we listened to Clem's teaching on prophecy. Clem is a prophet. And uh, we have heard Clem minister in the prophetic gift alongside our friend Ray Stokes. Many will know Ray. He's been coming to the church since 2008. Um, and so very similar to Ray's style in the way that he does things. So um, I just want to encourage as many in the church to be here that night as possible. Um, and at the end of this, sorry, the end of next month, we will have Fred Drummond from Evangelical Alliance with us. Looking forward to that. Prayer, 9.30 on Monday morning. Prayer, 7.30 on Wednesday evening, so please uh, get along to that. Um, the, the Zoom links will, will be out this week again. Uh, one of the things I wanted to just announce today, um, if you've been in your emails today, you will have seen that I've sent out an email to the church or to everybody I have emails from, and uh, Assemblies of God are launching an in-care appeal, and uh, all the proceeds that, that come uh, will go to partners who are close to the situation that's happening in Ukraine just now. Um, so people that AOG have contact with who are working on the ground at the moment, and uh, that money will go uh, to those causes. So there is an opportunity for you to do that online. All the information is in the email. If you're not online and you still want to give, uh, there are red envelopes on the seat today. Um, put an offering in that. If you want to take that away and bring it back next week, that's okay. And we will uh, process that as a church on your behalf. And we will be giving as a church out of our missions uh, budget, part, part of our missions budget to the, the appeal out there. Um, so there are other organizations which will be working hard to help those who are most in need. Uh, Zach's here represent Convoy of Hope Europe today. They're in the process of uh, looking at the whole situation as well. Um, Samaritans Personal are actually looking at how they support people through their partners on the ground as well. Um, so the opportunity is there to give. I want to encourage us to get round our brothers and sisters and those who can help in that situation directly. And let us, in, let us just keep praying into this situation. I don't, know if you, I don't know how you're thinking about this. I just wake up in the morning and it's the first thing that fills my mind as I'm praying, um, just as I think about what's happening in that situation and think about the church that's in that situation as well and their opportunity uh, to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to many. Anne's going to come up. And Anne's going to lead us just in a prayer um, around this situation. And then I'm going to introduce Zach in just a moment. I've brought my notes up with me today because I found this whole thing very, very emotional. So if I kind of get emotional, you'll know that I'm just going to read this to you. But... It just, as Stevie's saying, it's just such a shock to waking up and hear that news, and it's totally unexpected that um, the, Russian, the Russians would go as far. But I'm encouraged as well this morning with the songs that have been chosen, whoever chose them, if it was you, Sarah. But I'm just thinking, you know, um, I will put my trust in you alone, and I'll not be shaken. Amen to that. 
and also how great is our God and I mean he's totally in control and the first one is well forget well, I was going to sing a little louder that's it I'm just like sing a little louder in the presence of my enemies and so we're going to pray for Ukraine and Eastern Europe and um, if you just bear with me if you could close your eyes and we'll pray for the people there Father, we come to you today to pray for the situation in Eastern Europe. Father, we ask you to rescue and heal that nation from the hands of their enemies. We ask that they would no longer be living in fear for their lives, for their homes, for their families. And we ask that the young men would not have to take up arms and remain in that country. You know, Lord, we're asking you to intervene. Lord, I ask that you take them to that place, to that rock that is higher than they. And for those that are remaining there, for those who are stranded there, be it in cars trying to flee the country, be it in their homes, Father, I just pray that when they're at that rock, that they get that strength and courage from you. Father, we pray for the politicians as they make decisions about how they can prevent what is the biggest threat to war that we've had since the Second World War. And this is like a world war. The consequences are huge. So, Father, we pray for the Ukraine. For Ukraine, we pray for all those politicians who will be making decisions, America, UK, NATO. Um, and, Father, we pray for our enemies too in Russia because we need them to be given wisdom and we need that wisdom to come from you, from that higher place so that they can come together and enable them to make, to come to decisions and resolutions and negotiate together and bring stability and peace back to the country. Father, we pray for those who are brothers and sisters and you who have chosen to remain. And we pray, Lord, that uh, you would just give them strength and courage, that you would be with them and that they would feel your presence as they carry out serving you and just father they're they're demonstrating your love to people there giving them shelter food whatever they need and we pray lord that as money comes in that they they will have the resources that they need to do that and father lastly i would say that russia is one of is known as a supreme power but father there is no one more powerful than you and we know, Father, that you're the one that's in control. And we call on you, mighty saviour, mighty deliverer. Uh, you can rescue us, Lord, but we know our timing's different from yours. But, Father, you are in control. And we know that you have the plans for us to prosper us and not to harm us. So, Father, we lay this in your hands and we pray into your hands and we ask you lord to intervene in the mighty name of jesus amen thank you Anne. and uh, let's just encourage uh, i just want to encourage you to keep praying into this we will have a focus on this and this wednesday's prayer meeting um because it really is a serious situation we're going to keep praying into that i'm just going to introduce zach um, Zach works for Convoy of Hope Europe. Our partnership with Convoy of Hope Europe began way back in, you know, pre-2010. Um, and we got involved in a scheme called Adopt a Community. And we began to partner with uh, folks in Bulgaria. 
and uh, Andrew and I did a scouting mission out to Bulgaria. Then we came back and we said we want to do a missions trip here. And uh, so we went to Bulgaria in 2010, 2011, 2013, and then in 2018. And uh, we, we just want to be able to continue to do missions trips. Uh, I really feel it's part of uh, the, the church's mission. And uh, we met Zach and Lindsay last year. Um, you remember that mad Irishman, Michael McNamee? Some of you will remember Michael. Um, so Michael phoned me up and he said, we've got this wonderful couple coming up to Scotland on holiday. Would you be able to uh, host them over the weekend, which we did? Uh, that was, so you're here Sunday the 30th of May. I was looking back <laughs> at my notes uh, last year. And uh, I, I just kind of, there, there are partnerships which God brings about. And when God brings about a partnership, it really works. And, and I feel that uh, we have a partnership with Zach and Lindsay. And uh, one of the reasons that I kind of felt that, I remember one time, um, it was August, it was during our holiday, and Zach sent a little text, um, and he said, just to let you know that I'm praying for you and your family and your church, uh, no need to reply, I know you're on holiday, and I, I was just so moved by that, Zach, that you took the time to send a text to encourage us to say we're praying for you, and uh, that really meant a lot to us, uh, and so it's, it's been a two-way thing, relationships are two-way, and uh, we were trying to organize an event pre-Christmas called Christmas Jump Air if you get it, um, for our kids, but we had to just uh, put the plug, pull the plug on that, postpone it because of the whole situation with COVID just prior to Christmas. However, we will be taking that up again, and we will be exploring how we work in partnership with Convoy of Hope Europe. And, uh, you know, we, we want to be able to send teams uh, in the future. We want to be able to receive teams in the future to help us with the work that we're doing here. We have a mission field here as well. So, We've had a great day yesterday with Zach and Lindsay uh, and the family, and uh, we're looking forward to what Zach has to share with us today. So let's just give Zach a really warm welcome to church today. Hello, everybody. Uh, like Stevie said, I am Zach Payne, and uh, thank you, Stevie, for welcoming not only me, but Lindsay and Honora as well. And for all of you for welcoming us as well. We really appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to jump into it, okay? Um, God, I pray that you would pour out your spirit uh, today, that you would use me how you want me to be used, that my words being spoken today would be your words, and more importantly, that the words that are heard today will be your words that you want people to hear. I pray a blessing on Whitburn Church uh, Pentecostal today, and I pray that you let your spirit fall and you will be done. Uh, thank you, and I pray that you would bless this church. Um, so I am Zach Payne, and if you can't tell, I am originally from the U.S. I have been in Europe for five years, three of which in England. Uh, my wife and daughter are both uh, English or British American, and I'm just a plain old American, so I ask that you don't hold that against me too much. Um, uh, originally, I started under Michael McNamee, the crazy Irishman, um, and he says hello, by the way, in the interest of honesty, he says, hello, Whitburn, uh, don't worry, I'm still as sexy as ever, so, uh, um, so Michael is the one that connected us, and um, when I first moved into the UK, I had one prayer, and it was that God would connect the people that he is speaking to and working in with me, that our paths would cross. And that's exactly what happened with me and Stevie. Uh, 
last year we were here on holiday and trying to meet with different people uh, if they were able. And um, Michael had called Andrew, and Glasgow was the only city in the UK to still be under lockdown at that time. So meeting people in lockdown, as you all have experienced, is quite difficult. So uh, Stevie and I were, were connected, and, um, and I truly believe that that was an answer to that prayer that I had been praying uh, since I got here. Uh, but who is Convoy of Hope? Uh, Convoy of Hope is a global organization with a driving passion to feed the world. On a global scale, we have uh, program centers in 17 different countries. Throughout, uh, through our agriculture initiatives, we have helped train over 15,000 people to grow their own food. Over 46,000 women and children have been empowered to step out of their cultural identity and find what God says about them, not what their culture says about them, and to change the course of not only their lives, but the lives of the family and the communities in which they live. And our disaster response team has been to almost every major natural disaster and man-made disaster all across the globe, including uh, what's happening in the Ukraine. We're actively working on that. Um, and last... Uh, year alone, every school day, we fed 387,241 children. Um, these numbers come from following God on a daily basis. This is not something that just happened overnight. Um, it, was, it was through partnerships with local churches and organizations and communities like Whitburn Pentecostal. So, over the last 20 years in Europe, Michael has partnered with church planters all across Europe, and we've planted over 50 churches in Europe, which might not sound like a lot, but in Europe, as you all know, that is, that is a lot. And we've done so by meeting three essential areas, the physical needs, the social needs, and the spiritual needs. The church is the only organization that can meet all three of those needs, and above that, we have a mandate from Jesus to do just that. We are the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Jesus. And we have the duty to take care of the poor, the orphaned, and the widowed. The physical needs might mean giving up your coat or your shoes or giving someone food when they need it. The social needs might cost you some time um, when you get to sit down and, and spend time with people that are experiencing loneliness. I, I know after living here for three years, I've learned, at least in England anyway, what a huge issue loneliness is there. And I don't know if it's the same in Scotland, but I suspect so. Um, and then lastly, the spiritual needs. Those are only met when people meet Jesus. So when we love like Jesus with the love, compassion, and kindness that he lived with, others can see and experience his love in a spiritually dead world. And so the physical, the social, and the spiritual. This is the way Jesus lived, and this is how we are called to live. Before I get too much further along, I'd like to share a bit about Convoy of Hope's history and story uh, and how it got started. The first seed of Convoy of Hope was planted way back in 1969. Our founder, Hal Donaldson, was 12 years old at the time, and he and his siblings waved goodbye to their mother and father as they were off to the church for a business meeting, only they never arrived. On the way there, they were hit head-on by a drunken driver, and it killed Hal's father instantly and sent his mother to the hospital for many, many months. And so as the police came to break the news to the children, 
crowd of their neighbors gathered around and the police asked if anybody would be willing to take the children in or if they should go into the system. A, a couple there with two kids of their own raised their hands and volunteered to take in uh, the, these four kids and that initial act of compassion was what set Convoy's course in action. In total, for almost a full year, 10 people lived inside a single wide mobile home, which is not very big at all. And uh, from that, Convoy of Hope came about. The second seed is what the body of Christ did after the mo his mother came home. They were struggling with income, and the church gathered around them, and individuals took the time to go and buy groceries and deliver it to them. How talks about how uh, when, when they'd come to the door and there'd be a grocery bag there, it was like Christmas morning and all of the kids would rummage through it because it was, they were gonna, excited to see what they were going to eat that week. And that was the second one that grew. And it is the individuals like yourselves that take action that make up the body of Christ. And that's what we are called to do. But God's plans often take a long time to come to fruition. It's not a quick and easy thing. And after growing up like that, how said to himself, I'm not going to live in poverty anymore, I'm going to get out of this. So he went to university, he became a journalist, and had a pretty good career as a journalist, and he was asked to write a story on missionaries in India, the, the Buntains, you might be familiar with them. Uh, they've given their lives uh, working in Calcutta, und Calcutta, India. So Howell went there and spent some time with them, uh, writing the story of who they are, and they had a surprise for him. Uh, he got to meet Mother Teresa, and while he was there, she asked him this simple question, young man, what are you doing to help the poor? How thought about it and decided that it was best not to lie to a saint, so he, uh, he told the truth and said nothing. She looked at him with love and smiled and said, everyone can do something. Everybody can do something. These four words followed Howell back to California and they echoed in his head, everyone can do something until finally he asked himself earnestly and honestly, what is it that I can do? At the time, it wasn't much. He got together with his brothers, they made sandwiches, and drove out to where the homeless people lived in his town and handed out sandwiches. And that was the first Convoy of Hope event. Uh, a little bit later, I think maybe a year or two later, there was a hurricane in the US and they were already doing sandwiches, so they made more sandwiches and got some water and drove down with some people from the church, and that was Convoy of Hope's first disaster relief. Three years after that, El Salvador was hit uh, by a hurricane, and hey, we've done it before, let's do it again. So they loaded up food, they had more donations from churches that wanted to help out as well, and they flew to El Salvador and helped there as best as they could, and after months of trying to eliminate the initial relief need there, they looked around and they saw that there was a much bigger need, and it was food for children. So they partnered with an organization there that began to feed school kids every day, and that is Convoy of Hope's first international program. So Michael saw what was going on and that compassion, the love in action, and applied it into the European context. So we started to partner with churches. We uh, began hosting events for the community, uh, sending and receiving mission teams, meeting the physical, the social, and the spiritual needs. And this model was based on how Jesus lived. We can see that Jesus met the physical, the social, and he was the spiritual answer to the needs. 
So one example that we're going to look at today is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but we're going to look at just the one in Luke, uh, Mark today. So uh, if you have Bibles, turn to Mark 5:21, chapter 5, verse 21. So I'm going to just read from here. This is NIV version. Uh, I made a mix of NIV, ESV, and NLT here, so if I don't match up there, that's why. So don't hold that against me. Uh, a leader of the synagogues called Jairus fell down at the feet of Jesus and begged him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her that she might be healed. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed in around him. And a woman was there that had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and she spent all that she had, but grew worse instead of better. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched the cloak because she thought to herself, if I could just touch the edge of his garment, I will be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. So he stopped, turned to the crowd, and asked, who touched me? His disciples replied, Jesus, you see all of the people crowding against you? How can you ask who touched you? But he kept looking around to see who had done it. Uh, I'm going to pause there because I want to think of this from Jairus' perspective. His daughter is dying literally on the deathbed, uh, and then he gets a chance. He meets Jesus. This guy is the last chance, the last hope, and he goes and he falls down and begs him to help, and he says yes. And the first bit of hope in who knows how long begins to rise in his chest that my daughter will be okay. And it's great, fantastic. So he takes Jesus by the hand. This isn't in the Bible. I don't know if he actually did that, but I like to imagine it. So he takes Jesus by the hand, and then he starts walking, and the people start crowding around, and that's frustrating and annoying, but you've got Jesus, and your daughter's going to be okay. So you press through the crowd, you know, get out of my way, get out of my way, and then you feel his hand slip away from you, and you turn back around, confused, and you hear him ask, who touched me? I mean, it must have seemed like a poorly timed joke. Like, come on, Jesus, we got we to gotta go. Let's go. Come on, no time for this. Uh, let's go save my daughter. I am a new dad. My, Anora is 16 months and thankfully has been a very healthy baby. But in early February, she woke up in the middle of the night struggling to breathe with what we now know is, was croup cough, but we didn't know that at the time. So we called 111, and um, I was trying to comfort her and help her to calm down to breathe. And they sent an ambulance out. And I know in reality, it probably wasn't that long, but it felt like forever when you're trying to hold a crying daughter to get her to calm down enough to breathe. It's a terrifying experience, and I can't even begin to imagine how Jairus felt in that situation. Um, continuing on, uh, the woman, knowing what had happened, came to him, uh, came to, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people from Jairus' household came and told him, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher now? Overhearing this, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, only believe. So Jesus took Peter, John, and James with him, and they came to the house of Jairus. He saw a commotion there of people crying and wailing loudly. He said to them, what's all this commotion about? She's just sleeping. And they laughed at him. After putting them outside, he took the father and the mother and the disciples that were with him, 
went into where the child was and said, Talitha Kaum. I don't know if that's actually how you say it, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and began walking around. At this, they were astonished. He told them to give her something to eat and order them not to tell anyone what had happened. On that day, there were two daughters that were restored. This story sums up the idea of meeting the physical, the social, and the spiritual needs perfectly, in my opinion. Uh, to understand just how important and impactful the healing of the woman with the issue of blood really was, you've got to understand something about the Jewish culture at the time. She would have been considered unclean because of her issues, which means she would not be allowed in a room like this. She would not be allowed to be around people, not allowed to touch people, not allowed to sit with anybody. And for 12 years, she experienced that by herself. We've each had uh, about two years' worth of, of lockdown, and we've all experienced a taste of what that was like. But at least we were in it all together with the rest of the world. She was there by herself, her issues, her problem. Now, even the act of coming to Jesus was an incredibly brave and faith-filled act because by pushing through the crowd, every single person that she touched would have become unclean, and that is a big deal. And when she touched the clothes and was healed, I think in her mind it says, idea, uh, it says that she uh, began to walk away or that she turned and trembling with fear turned back. I think ideally she would have just wanted to crept away back into silence and accepted the healing that had happened to her. But that's not what happened. Jesus, is, Jesus feels it. He stops and says, who touched me? And so she comes trembling with fear because to admit to making everyone there unclean that is a huge offense in the Jewish culture. She should have been over there, away from the rest of the crowd, waiting her turn by herself on her own. But that's not what happened. She came trembling with fear and told the whole truth, confessing to everyone in the crowd and to Jesus what happened. And what does Jesus say? Daughter, daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well, daughter. Now, Jesus calling her daughter was as much for her as it was for the community. You see, for her, it was a change of identity. For 12 years, she was unclean. She was less than, she was neglected and ignored. That is who she was. But after one encounter with Jesus, she was now daughter. She was a part of the family. She was accepted, loved, welcomed, and healed. And in the Greek, that word for well can also be translated as whole. So not only was she made well, she was healed, and she was whole again. Now, for the crowd, it was not just a change of identity for her, but it was a command. You see, she was no longer unclean. She was no longer an outside. She was no longer less than. She was family. She was your daughter. She was your sister. Now, when... In the Old Testament, they lay out all kinds of ceremonies and sacrifices that need to be made. And for a, um, for a woman, there's a set period of time where afterwards they can come back and be made clean again. But because her issue lasted for 12 years, there was no precedence in the Bible for this. There was no way that she could become clean again. And if you notice, whenever Jesus heals somebody, one of the things that he tells them to do is go and make the proper sacrifices at the temple. And that's because the the 
the temples were basically the health and safety for all of Israel. So whenever you had an issue, you'd go there because if, if you weren't cleared and got the okay from the temple, sorry, you got to wait more. Um, but because there was nothing that could be done to make her from unclean to clean, Jesus took his role as high priest and declared her clean in front of everybody. No sacrifices needed. Her faith had made her well. So he was telling her, telling the community, hey, stop neglecting, stop ignoring this lady. She's your family. Give her a dang hug. And that was Jesus meeting the social needs of that woman. Loneliness, like I said, is a major issue here. And Jesus views that as a big deal. He stopped in the middle of what was arguably a huge emergency to deal with that issue. He stopped to restore a lady to the community. But there was a second daughter that was restored that day, and um, as Jesus was telling the community to accept this woman back into it, they got news that Jairus' daughter was dead. And I can't even begin to imagine the utter fear and that, that little bit of hope that had been risen when you met Jesus and he agreed to go, just stamped out and the stomach dropping. I can't even begin to imagine what that was like. And if any of you have experienced that, I am very, very sorry for you. I, I, it's bad. Um, but that's not where the story ends. Jesus looks at him and says, don't be afraid, only believe. Five words that are easy to say, easy to understand, and incredibly difficult to do. But Jesus does more than just say, hey, don't worry, and then leave. He does more than that. He takes what James said, where you don't just bless somebody and ignore the need. You, you take action with your blessings. So he doesn't just stop there. He continues on to Jairus' house, and where there's a commotion, he says, hey, she's just sleeping, and they laugh at him. And as I was reading this, it struck me that somebody had to declare the daughter dead, which means there was a doctor there. And the doctor is the same person that made the lady worse, not better. But luckily, Jesus is, I say luckily, thankfully to God, because yeah, um, he is the great healer, and he can fix everything that we mess up. So Jesus sends those guys out, takes the mother and the father of the little girl and the disciples that were with him up to there, tells her to get up. And the first thing he does, at least in Luke, he says, get her something to eat. Feed this child. Now, I don't know the details of this disease, but Jesus just did something that only Jesus can do, and then he commands the people there to do something that we can do, to feed this child. So Jesus is the solution for the spiritual needs of everyone. When people encounter Jesus, even if they're completely unaware of what they're missing, they know that something is being met there. The spiritual need is everywhere, and Jesus was driven to meet those needs by an outpouring of love, compassion, and kindness. And anyone who calls themselves a Christian, we should be little Christs, imitators and ambassadors for him, and live our lives with the same love, compassion, and kindness. This story could have just been a normal old Tuesday for Jesus, who we don't know, but because of the love, compassion, and kindness that Jesus showed, what began with a 12-year-old girl dying and a woman who had been dead for 12 years coming back to life, in the span of one afternoon, two daughters were restored, all by meeting the physical and social needs. But 
it's not enough to just tell others about that. We've, by imitating Jesus, we introduce the only solution to the spiritual need. Jesus expressed through love, compassion, and kindness. Kindness is the language that the blind can see and the deaf can hear. Uh, it's Mark Twain, not the Bible, so. Um, but it is, I think, I think it is true because it's the language of Christ. When we feed the hungry and spend time with the lonely or welcome home the prodigal child with no expectation of anything in return, it reverberates in the souls of those with whom we interact. So, Convoy meets the needs of uh, people after a disaster. We train people to farm and to grow their own food. We empower women to discover their personal agency, and we feed many, many kids each day. We don't do those things by our own power. We don't have a giant infrastructure that we've built up. Uh, we do those things by partnering with local communities and local churches, one at a time. And it is because we partner with people like Whitburn that are passionate about loving their communities like Jesus did with love, compassion, and kindness that everything changes. Now, Whitburn Pentecostal Church has done a lot of great things with the food bank and answer, and God is not done with you yet. Hear me, because I'm, I think that this is from God for you. God's vision for Whitburn is not one of mediocrity. God's vision is vast, and you have been called to change your community. On a personal level, I am very thankful that we got to meet, and uh, like you said, it's a two-way relationship, and I'm, I'm very thankful for it. But the best days of Whitburn as a community are ahead of it, not behind it, and this church is going to play a big role in getting it there. So there is a simple and truthful statement that began Convoy of Hope. What are you doing to help the poor? And everyone can do something. Hal opened his eyes to see the needs and was willing to take the steps that God put in front of him one at a time. There's another colleague of mine, Matt Wilkie. Uh, he's in charge of all of the field teams for, uh, for Convoy. Uh, he's been all over the world and seen poverty basically in the most extreme to um, the nicest places in the world. And he also had an experience with Mother Teresa and so he talked about uh, visiting Calcutta and how poverty there was like nothing he had ever experienced before. Literal lepers on the street begging for help. And he was there with a group of other men uh, and they, they got to meet Mother Teresa and she asked them, oh, where are you from? And each of them were from somewhere else in the States and so one said, oh, Missouri, Pennsylvania, New York. And she pulled out this big book of maps that was filled with handwritten notes from her and she flipped through to the map of the US and to their individual states and said, oh, from Missouri, we've got Sisters of Charity in uh, St. Louis. Oh, Pennsylvania, we've got Sisters of Charity in these cities. New York, we've got Sisters of Charity there. And then she asked them this question. Have you seen the hurt in the eyes of the people here in Calcutta? Have you seen their desperation? The solution is Jesus. And the needs may look different, but Calcutta is everywhere. Calcutta is everywhere, and the solution is Jesus. I don't know the full picture or situation of Whitburn, and I don't know the specifics of, of your needs or your neighbors, but Calcutta is everywhere. There is hurt in the eyes and desperation in the souls of those around us. 
and the solution is Jesus. Everyone can do something, and maybe for you, it's something big. Maybe God is putting something big on your heart, like giving away half of everything you own or moving to the Ukraine to help. Or maybe it's something small, like spending time with your neighbor or volunteering on a Sunday morning or making an extra sandwich. Remember that something doesn't have to be big. It can be as simple as a sandwich. But when we take the opportunities that God is laying out in front of us, one step at a time, and do the small somethings that we can, communities are transformed and lives are changed. Jesus works through you. The love and compassion and kindness that you show to others speaks at the level of the soul. The needs here might look different, but Calcutta is everywhere. So where is your Calcutta? Everyone can do something, so what is your something? Whatever it is that God is putting on your heart, be encouraged, for God is with you. And when our belief is translated into action, everything can change. So wherever you are in your journey, I'll finish with this, the words of Jesus, don't be afraid, only believe. God, thank you. I pray that you would speak in the lives of the people that are here and the people that are listening or watching. I pray that you would reveal their Calcutta, that they would understand and know what steps you are putting them in and give them the strength and the courage to do so. I pray that your kingdom would come and that we would play a role in that. Transform the lives of others here and in the community of Whitburn and use these people to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. I'm not going to add to anything you've said, Zach. It's just fantastic. Um, a real challenge to us, brings us back to the basics, brings us back to what we all need to be thinking about and doing. Um, I'm just going to say one final prayer and uh, just pray a blessing over Convoy Hope Europe as well and over the congregation here. So, Father, we just thank you for today. Lord, we pray that at the start that you would open up our eyes. And, Father, we pray that that has been our experience today as we've listened to Zach share. And, Father, we pray that you'd open up our hearts, that we might receive your word and not just be people who hear it and then go away and forget. <coughs> but, Father, that we'd be people who put it into practice in our lives. Father, help us today to pray into that opportunity which you set before us. And, Lord, we just ask that you would use us as a church. Father, we thank you for that word that Zach brought uh, about the church. Lord, we believe that you're doing a new thing. Father, we believe that you're opening things up. We believe that you're bringing us to a place of space, a place of Rehoboth, a well that will open up and, and just be a, a well of blessing to this community and the communities that surround it. And so, Father, we pray, lead us into your purposes for, for us. And Father, we pray for Zach and Lindsay. Lord, we pray for their role in Convoy of Hope Europe. And Lord, we ask that you would just continue to bless them in that. Lord, we pray that you just continue to bring these God connections into, into our lives for Convoy of Hope Europe. And Lord, we pray your blessing upon that. So Lord, bless uh, these guys who are with us today. And Lord, we, we think of Michael as well, <coughs> who needs a touch in his body as well. And Lord, we just pray your blessing over Michael. And Lord, we just thank you that you see everything that he has done, everything that he has achieved uh, Father, behind that cheekiness that, that Michael has. Um, but Lord, he's in need as well. And Lord, we just lift him before you. Bring healing into his body. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you.
so happens when I don't write it in my notes, Brendan.